Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. and Coulter Nuanez. Got an uh, email yesterday that said uh, Metallica stopped being cool when they went at Napster because you can't be anti-establishment and part of the establishment. So what's it going to be? Yeah, you know, okay. I feel the tug of that. Still going to listen. Good records. Tutel Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Radio. Does not wanting your music pirate, pirated make you... Part of the establishment? Yeah, Napster was like the anti-establishment deal. They were like, well, they were trying to theft. They were trying to take down, you know, the yeah, it's theft or maybe it's you know freeing things that are imprisoned. It's hard to say, you know. My, Depends on your perspective. My father used to tell us when we were downloading music, a lot of Metallica, in fact, onto our uh, home computer mm. that. Uh, he was going to call the feds and that we were going to go to jail. Yeah, well, I mean, every VHS tape, <laughs> right, would have the federal, like, this could be five years in jail and $250,000 fines if you, like, show this movie in public or something like that. Because you used to be able to have the two-set VCR and, like, yeah, yeah, copy do, do, do the do movie the so you can rent it like, and then, like, steal it. Yeah, so, uh, you know. I get that, man. You get propriety, man. You know, if you make something, create something, you own that thing. You can't say Metallica's establishment, though, because Metallica Metallica and Pearl Jam are the only two I bands. I, I, know, I know, I know. I'm just talking to our, our uh, listener who, or viewer or whatever it might be who sent the text in. The right? emailer. The emailer. Metall- to my knowledge, Metallica and Pearl Jam are the only two major bands that went against the grain in terms of 
live shows and ticket sales. They they refused to use like the mainstream ticket offices because they didn't want fees and the prices getting jacked up. So to me, that's very anti-establishment. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think Napster was maybe more going at like record labels and companies that the bands had, you know, signed under more than not actually having the bands, you know, be okay. But if you haven't done that, then it does hurt you directly. I don't know. Interesting. Fun from the 2000s. It's 2 Tell and New Honest, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, if you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. It's 2 Tell and New Honest podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, and listen, thanks to Blackfoot Communications. 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Raggage Brothers RV phone line. And if you want to listen live, you go to the stream, 1029ESPN.com. The stream is available all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, it is time for our ESPN Roundtable. The ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. Great spot for everything. Had a little lunch there yesterday myself. Outstanding. And also, you can do yourself a little sports betting if you would like to because they are a hot spot for that you got to be in the right place right establishment that's got the uh, laws in place they're allowed to have it paradise falls has it so go there and enjoy yourself happy to welcome in now to the espn roundtable the athletic director at the university of montana kent haslam back with us kent thanks so much for being with us we know it's a, a hectic time even now in some ways more than even if there was football being played right now so we really appreciate the time how are you I'm doing well. It's hectic in a different way, that's for sure. I wish it was hectic and that we were getting ready to play at Eastern Washington, hopefully at 4-0 and uh, but uh, in football, but we're not. So it's a different approach, different things we're faced with. But uh, so far, the, the fall's gone well, and we're starting to see some closure and some things come together. So that, I think, gives us a little bit of structure. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Eastern Washington and their athletic director, Lynn Hickey, in an article earlier this week, kind of talked about the process of creating a Big Sky Conference football schedule. And she said, really, that started with the Division One Council creating the FCS playoff schedule, which they have now done. Uh, it's uh, April 24th is it's scheduled to start and, and end somewhere in the second week of May, somewhere in those lines. They also did some basketball scheduling. Do you have input? We know that you're on like the selection committee and that kind of thing, but are you privy to those conversations as they are ongoing on uh, on that you know council level? Um, not as much. Yes, yes. To give you the short answer, yes. Um, the selection committee does sit separate, and that's the committee I'm on. I'm on the FCS championship committee, and that committee does sit separate from the Division One council. Uh, we, we recommend things that then go to the football oversight committee that then get ratified by the division one council that then have to get ratified by the board of directors and the board of governors. But yes, in, in playing out and laying out those, that football championship structure, um, absolutely was involved in those decisions and, and, um, voting on what we wanted to put forward. So yeah, that took a lot of work. We haven't met as a committee, a selection committee now for the last couple of weeks because there's really no need to meet now that we know when the championship is, but we'll start meeting the end of October. And actually we'll evaluate some of those FCS programs that are competing here in the fall because those those uh, competitions will have a weight when we come into the selections on April 28th, or no, April 18th, April 17th, around in there, when we're actually picking the field. I was going to ask you that. So, thank you, thanks so much for joining us, by the way, Kent. But w w are you watching the games right now? Because there are a few FCS teams, uh, particularly ones that maybe 
think that they should at least have playoff aspirations, a team like Central Arkansas, for example. So as a playoff committee, selection committee, are you guys keeping an eye on those games? Uh, I am just because I love college football. So I'm watching anything that involves an oblong ball that's <laughs> right. thrown. So I'm good with that. But I'm watching anything I can watch, candidly. But yes, so we've got Central Arkansas playing at North Dakota State this week. Uh, that will be, I think it's this week. Um, that will be an interesting game and certainly kept tabs of, you know, Austin P and Eastern Kentucky. And, and we'll start to discuss those because it is strange that uh, competing in the fall, like a Central Arkansas is a good example. They've, they're not going to compete in the spring, but they're going to hopefully, they hope to lay out a good enough resume to take a, uh, at large bid in the spring. And so we've got to, got to pay attention to some of those schools, Eastern Kentucky and some of the others. Um, but we'll start to evaluate and, and do that uh, at the end of October. This has absolutely been one of the weirdest experiences I think any of us have gone through, just with the uncertainty and how everything changes literally day by day. But that we've seen college football as a whole, certain leagues said they were playing all along. Now certain leagues have made plans to come back, and then there's been there's these few FCS schools that have been playing while most of the FCS is waiting until the spring. Just overall, what do you think of the way that it's changed right now? Is there a part of you that wishes Montana was playing this fall, or do you feel like the decision that was made to push to the spring at least is the right decision for the FCS as a whole? I think it was the right decision for the FCS as a whole. Um, Certainly, I wish we were playing right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I love football in the fall. I love fall sports. I love soccer and volleyball across country and and feel like a a traditionalist when I say they should be played in the fall. Uh, But it it was the right decision for us, especially in the Big Sky Conference, because of just the geographic challenges that we have with eight different states and managing the virus in eight different ways. And even now you get it down into the county level, it's managed differently. So uh, it's not surprising for me to see these FBS programs in particular do a stop and then a start. Um, because I think they uh, saw other schools that were willing and able to kind of test the waters and see what it was going to be like. So it doesn't surprise me that those FBS schools are trying to get this done because they're so tied to the bowl games and so tied to that um, bowl championship um, series. And so they want to get those games in. TV is a big revenue for them. And so playing in front of smaller crowds is works for them, but it, it, it was the right choice for, for, for us, I think, at the FCS, and in particular in the Big Sky Conference, just weighing out all of the logistical challenges that it would have taken to try and play football. You know, we, we talk about football because it's, it's sort of football season, even though it's not for the Big Sky at this moment, but also next up in terms of some of the revenue sports is basketball, right? Both men's and women's basketball, and now it's part of the Division One Council. They put November 25th as the start date on that. So with a start date on that, but also understanding some leagues, I know the Pac-12 had said at least at one point they weren't going to play any sports until at least January 1st. They've come back on that in football. I don't know where they're at in basketball, but what is the process i know that coach DeCure certainly is is very involved in scheduling and things like that but trying to put together a non-conference and maybe find some pay games that had been lost initially and maybe trying to 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 find other places to fill those in where are we at with basketball especially men's basketball right now well i use the analogy we we know we know the date of the dance or we know the prom and when it's going to be and that's november 25th but we sure don't know who we're taking to that dance god i can i I absolutely understand that (laughs) metaphor thank you for using something i can relate to that's helpful yeah i i i feel i feel you on that one too but it's it's (laughs) to describe it very bluntly uh 
basketball non-conference scheduling is just chaos right now. It's, yeah. it's, it's total chaos. And so um, the one great thing about basketball, uh, this is, and really all the sports other than football is they're governed by the NCAA. So the NCAA will come in and say in basketball work, will all start on November 25th. And you don't have to worry about the SEC starting different and the Pac-12 starting different. Uh, we, the date we can start is November 25th. Now, conferences may decide not to play till later, but that's the date that we are eligible to start playing. And so there's a little bit more structure to it, but then this whole non-conference scheduling is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be really chaotic up until we get, uh, it, it could be the week before when we decide hey, we're able to get this game in. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, right now, we're scheduled to play at Georgia. Um, I think that for, for right now, that game is still on. Uh, but at the at the conference level, we're still debating on whether or not we want to move. We'd approve to play 16 games, but hey, maybe we need to play 20 just so we make sure we get enough games in and hit that, that, that minimum number of 13 to have someone eligible to play in the NCAA tournament. So if we go to 20, does that push us into December and then have to back us out of other games? But it's, it's, it's chaotic right now, and um, that, that's the best way to describe it. It really is. If you ask me what our next, home, our next basketball game for our men or our women are for sure, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Jeff Goodman's been doing a good job reporting on all of this stuff and just the, the the way that it's all transpiring. But one thing he noted yesterday was that something that's so popular this day and age in the non-conference is these multi-team events. I know you guys have gone to multiple of them, but both the men and the women. I know the Lady Grizz have hosted a lot of multi-team events before as well, you know, bringing multiple teams to town and kind of having a little round robin uh, at Dahlberg Arena. Why is that so complicated? Why are these multi-team events so complicated in, in this specific scenario that we're enduring? Well, it's because who who can host, who can uh, who's willing to travel. Typically, you've got some kind of a payment to come and play in those, or you're paying to host those. And you can't do those in front of if you can't do those in front of any crowds. What's the return on that investment? Um, that that's probably been the biggest thing. Um, these multiple team events um, are, are great events, but um, a lot of this scheduling for basketball, which could be a whole other topic uh, that you could have a number of people on to dissect, has kind of gone away from the, the, the traditional home and homes. Like, let's go let's go to Gonzaga and, and let's play a home and home with Gonzaga. It makes total sense, right? We're right next, we're close on the freeway. Um, we draw on both sides, but you know, Gonzaga is not real keen on coming to Missoula, Montana. So they'll pay us to go play there, but they don't want to come back. And so we've gotten into these events where you try and get to neutral sites so you can play other schools and schools that you can beat. And, uh, it's, it's made it a little bit cumbersome in trying to do the scheduling, but this pandemic has certainly exposed the, the difficulty in doing that because of bringing multiple teams to one place, all of them with different resources, all of them with different abilities to test all of them with different travel restrictions and state restrictions and hosting restrictions. And so it's made it, it's made it really tough. And those are events that we here at Montana have relied on. You go to one spot, play three games. Hopefully you can win a couple of them because you're matched up against some teams that make more sense to you as opposed to just playing three power fives and, and hoping maybe you could sneak out with one win. But those, those are difficult to do uh, during a pandemic and never having lived through one. I think we're realizing that now. Kent Haslam joining us in the ESPN Roundtable, the athletic director at the University of Montana. And uh, Kent, 
when we let's go back to football and now that there is a playoff schedule for the FCS sounds like that was maybe the key to trying to start to put together an actual regular season schedule in the spring Uh, the Missouri Valley came out with theirs last week how close is the Big Sky Conference to having a spring regular season schedule created and and what needs to happen in order for that to be uh, a done deal Actually, very close. Uh, I'm I'm on the football subcommittee of the Big Sky Conference, and so we and and Lynn Hickey from um, Eastern Washington, she's on that with me as well. Mark Orr from um, Sacramento State, along with um, a couple of other members, uh, Cami Bechtold from Montana State, and then the senior women's administrator Dana from Portland State. And so we get on, and we're we're working through what we're going to pitch back to the athletic directors. But we're really close. I think we need to decide on. Uh, whether we're going to play six games and allow to have some non-conference opportunities or play eight or just play six games and that's it. And then deciding on how we're going to manage weather, or do we try and do kind of what the Missouri Valley did? And, and um, we, we truly do have warm weather places. I did kind of chuckle in the Missouri Valley came out and, and, and said Southern Illinois gets to host a game week one because they're, they're in a warm weather spot. I, I don't know about <laughs> right. how much of Southern Illinois is warmer, but that's okay. But we have some domes and we have California in our conference. And, and do we need to go south and into domes to play the first couple of weeks? We need to work through those. Uh, whether we're going to be more regional focused so we keep people from having to fly as much to save some money. Um, but we're, we're getting close. And um, I do, I, I agree with you when you say once we've got that structure from the playoffs and we can start to build back from that, we know that late February is kind of our early start date, but um, I would, I would see us coming out here, at least with a structured schedule in the next, in the next few weeks. Um, or some kind of a basis of how we're going to build the structure and knowing how many games we're going to play. Figuring out games for the early portion of the spring and maybe playing inside or playing in warm weather like you're talking about, that's one thing, but the preparation for each game is a completely different challenge, especially when you're talking about Montana or, um, you know, a lot of where the big sky schools are located, Utah, it's going to be tough for teams to practice adequately. What sort of challenges is that presenting when you, when you're thinking about this? Cause obviously the games are one thing, but getting ready for the games is a whole different animal. I know that that's top of mind of coach Houck. And I know it's top of mind of all the coaches. Uh, we had a, a meeting of all the athletic directors and the head coaches uh, on zoom just earlier this week. And they certainly expressed that concern. Um, you got the Cal Polys and the UC Davises and the Sac States and, and those dome teams that probably aren't quite as worried about it, but still, even if you've got a dome, like let's say Idaho state, you're still balancing some basketball and community events and track meets and other things where, you know, how, how are you going to get in there? Think about NAU as well. So the, the weather is a concern. I mean, we, we live here, so we all know what, what February can be like in Missoula, Montana or Bozeman, Montana or Cheney, Washington, or, I mean, even into to, to Ogden and places like that. So, there's no doubt about that. It's a different, it's a different preparation. It's a different planning. Um, that's why I'm, I, I am in favor of kind of trying to get those games as late as possible. I don't know for some reason, March just sounds warmer than February, even though we all know it could be much colder and could still be very cold, but we've had spring ball in March before and, and have had hit and miss weather before, but uh, you're right, Coulter. That's, I think that that's top of mind as well as, the number of games that we play in one calendar year. 
if, if you play, let's say, eight games and then you make a run in the playoffs, you play 12 games, you're done mid-May, you take a month off, you're coming back and already preparing to play Washington in early September. And so what, how, does, how do we respond to that physically? That's another, another major concern as well. We want to get into to that question a little bit as well, but before that, you know, Kent, you 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 have a lot of different roles in your role as an athletic director. You're on a national level in the selection committee. You're obviously on the conference level, uh, you know, in in a subcommittee there, creating schedules and stuff. But when it comes back to just the University of Montana and being the AD there. What are the conversations that you've had or that you think you're going to need to have when it comes time to actually make decisions about playing football in the spring and potentially in February and preparing perhaps in January with, with you know some sort of lead into a spring schedule? Who and how is it going to be determined the, just the feasibility of that for the Grizzlies? Well, we'll decide that at a campus level. Um, I do try to make sure, depending on what committee I'm on, I'm advocating for whoever I'm representing at that time. When I'm on the national level, I'm typically, well, I'm always advocating for the Big Sky Conference. And then when we get into conference, I'm advocating for the, for the Montana Grizzlies. That's good for the whole of the, of the, of the conference. Um, but those decisions will have to be made here at the campus level. We know we're very different than most other schools in our conference in that playing football games for us is a significant financial benefit. Um, when that stadium is full, it is a primary revenue driver for everything that we do. Football accounts for uh, more than $8 million of total revenue for us. And so that's important. And um, you don't want to make decisions based strictly on finances, but you also can't just pretend that it's not there. And you have to to, to take that into to effect and say, hey, I, you know, we need – if we're going to play this number of games, we, we need, you know, that we got to get them at home. Um, we've got to get them against opponents. We've got to get them against opponents that make sense. We, we want to play, play Montana state, um, in the spring. If it's going to be part of the, of the spring schedule, we want to make sure that that, that game's there because that's a big draw for us as it would be if it was in Bozeman. And so at the campus level, we're going to have to, this is a unique year and we're going to have to make decisions and say, does playing in the spring make sense to us? Uh, I think that if the scoreboard is on and we are competing, our student athletes and our coaches are going to want to compete and they're going to want to compete hard and they're going to want to play hard and they're going to want to play to win. Um, but we're going to have to make those decisions certainly at a campus level. This is unique. I mean, I don't, I hate to keep saying that cause it's become such a cliche, but this is really a, a, a just a different, um, a different approach. And I do like that the, the, the NCAA has given the, that extra year of eligibility. I think that gives you a little bit more, puts you more at ease so that you're not just playing to play so that, you know, a Sammy Akim or a Samori Torre or a Jace Lewis or Alexa Coyle in soccer or, you know, whoever it might be just gets a chance to compete. You know, they, they're going to have their clock extended and an extra year of eligibility. So they can't, could come back in the fall and play in 2021. So, I think that relieves a little bit of, of that, like we absolutely have to play to get them a chance to play. Football is such a distinctly different sport than any other sport just because of how physical it is and the injuries that are just a part of the game. If you do play in the spring and then there is also a fall season, is that a conversation that you guys have had? And what does that look like? Because it seems as if 
you know, you got to have the student athlete welfare as a paramount, of paramount importance. How do you not have guys be worn out? How do you not sacrifice quality of football, quality of play in the fall if you do play a little bit in the spring? Yeah, no, it's that's the conversations that we're having and, and uh, listening and talking to student athletes and, and seeing how they how they feel about it. I, I can tell you they're wired to, to compete. I mean, they're wh- whatever sport it is, they they, they want to play. Uh, but they also recognize um, the physical toll that it takes on them as well. Um, but I think this is a time when we've got to listen to our coaches and listen to our student athletes and and um, make sure that we're hitting a hitting a good balance uh, with a championship there at the at the end, a chance to really play for a, a meaningful championship. I think that that makes it more appealing to play than if we were just you know, throwing games out there and let's just go play to play. Um, but you can see that there's a championship that you can qualify for and you can go play in. And, and, and I think that adds a little bit of incentive, but we, we have to have those conversations and we have to, have to get the feedback from student athletes on how they feel about things and lay out what it is. Uh, this is what it means to us to play home football games. Um, you know, it's easy for me to, to, to say, Hey, we're going to play a big full schedule in the spring, but I, I don't have to put the helmet on and, and you know, run down and, and try and tackle somebody. So it's, I've got to listen to those who are actually competing and coaching. University of Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. And Kent, I want to ask you a question about revenue. I know we had talked previously about football makes so much money for the University of Montana Athletic Department. But there, there's some sweet spots there, right, in terms of having a certain amount of fans in the stands, if allowed by the health department at all, uh, where you guys need to be able to cover your operational costs and, and not be losing money to host games. Is there a similar scenario for basketball? What's the revenue like for basketball? And, and is it as drastic as football where you do need a certain amount of fans to make it worth it for you guys to host games? No, I mean, certainly we want to take all the revenue that we can. Uh, there's not there's the, the, the sweet spot's much smaller in basketball just because operationally it's a lot less expensive to, to play it and it takes less people. So us playing in much, redu- in much reduced crowds in, uh, in men's and women's basketball isn't as big of a financial impact. And um, the, the largest financial incentive in basketball really is that NCAA tournament. Not, and not necessarily – you know, we've got an automatic bid from the Big Sky Conference, so we know someone will go there. But um, if you can get in there and win a game, which hasn't been done since uh, Montana did it back in 2006, but th- that's so you, we want to make sure we get that tournament in um, from a national standpoint. And so there's there's a lot more incentive to just get games in and get qualified and get that tournament going. Certainly from a financial aspect, but um, I mean certainly if we can. If we only if we're only playing in front of you know a thousand fans or so for a basketball game, um, that's nearly that's not nearly as much of a of a financial hit as if we were playing only in front of you know three or four thousand fans at a football game. When it comes to the athletic department as a whole right now, Ken, I know that you've had some some different events that you've had planned that you you know try to put on and 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 do to to create a little bit of revenue and and a little bit of entertainment and excitement for for fans of the University of Montana. You've also had some some you know forward looking uh, thrusts and some fundraising stuff. But what are you what are you doing right now, department wide, and what do you need right now from Grizz Nation, from the community, from fans of the university and, and alums and so forth? Uh, to kind of make it through this through this space until uh, we get on the other side of it. 
Well, we're relying on the generosity of a lot of people. We're right in the middle of our what we've uh, titled our Together campaign, and we've had good response. People have um, decided to just donate the cost of their tickets back and, and not ask for refunds. We've had a, a number of people that have deferred that revenue uh, to the next year, so we'll count on that for 2021. Some have asked for refunds, but we've we've done a good job of, of spreading the word and saying, look, folks, we need your help right now. We need to bridge this gap. and. And uh, I'd ask anyone that's in, that's interested to go to upwithmontana.com, and there's a easy link right there to to pay or uh, send me a check, and I'll make sure it gets to the right spot. And um, but it, right now it's student athlete scholarships. We're we're committed, and and President Bodner is right there behind it. He's committed to making sure we continue to fund these student athlete scholarships, and we rely on on that ticket revenue to to bridge that gap in funding these scholarships. Scholarships aren't just magically waived when these student athletes come, come to campus. We have to fundraise through that, through a variety of special events. And we've been able to have a couple of good golf tournaments. Uh, we had one just last Friday up at Eagle Bend and in the Flathead Valley, which was really well attended and socially distanced and well spaced out. And, and we've been uh, uh, trying to ask folks individually for support. And there's been good response from that. But what I, what, what I, what we need from Grizz Nation right now is, um, is a commitment to our uh, student athletes through contributions to our scholarships, and that would be the the biggest impact they could have. Sports are always this never ending uh, gift that never stops giving when it comes to content. I mean, we go through it all the time, and it's so great because you always have a great story to tell when there are sports being played and we just find ourselves so lost, but I know you guys have been done a lot of stuff in the media too and bringing back Bobby Houck's coaches show and having him still talk football, even though there's not football to analyze and not football being played. How important do you think that part is to staying kind of in front of the public and giving people uh, some stuff to maybe look forward to, even if there's not games on Saturdays to attend? Yeah, I credit our marketing staff and I credit our um, sports information staff and just all the people that are, our externally focused folks that have just done great work in figuring out ways to, to provide relevant content um, game day experiences with, with rebroadcasts of radio. It was, it was great listening to that North Dakota state game because I knew exactly that it was going to end the way it ended. Um, <laughs> so it was great. Um, but that really have done a good job of, of, of still staying connected with people. I think that's one of my bigger fears is that, we go through a fall and people are like, ah, oh, that was, you know, I got a lot of stuff done around the yard on a Saturday when I typically would be sitting at a football game and come 2021, we need them back here. We need them back engaged. We're going to be playing football again. We know that uh, we need them in the spring. If, if we're to the point where we can fill this place. And so we've got to make sure we stay con- connected just because I, I don't want them to just get used to this, not being a part of what they do. That's just so critical for us to have people driving from all over this state and really from out of state coming here to football games that we've just got to, to keep front of mind as, as much as we possibly can. Well, Ken, last question for you. Uh, Heat Lakers game one of the NBA finals. You got a dog in this hunt, this, uh, this finals uh, series this year. Uh, you know, once the jazz were out, I mean, we've already had this argument. Michael Jordan totally pushed off of Brian Russell. <laughs> oh, so I've kind of just, you know, I just kind of given up now because it was totally a just a horrible call, and Michael Jordan should have never Man, won the championship. Just <laughs> 20 <laughs> years of just bitterness, yeah. more than. Oh, just bitter. Man. Yeah, just 
just bitter, you know. He was, <laughs> just... Jordan Jordan was a fairly good player. I'll give him to that, but he totally pushed off. And I know Coulter doesn't agree with me. So, uh, but <laughs> no, I do agree, Kent. You have to remember, I was a big Utah Jazz fan growing up. Stockton Malone, that was the only NBA games we oh. got growing up Grant Creek, so that was the only thing we ever watched. Isn't that the truth? That's why I'm still an, a, a, a Atlanta Braves fan, because the Braves are on TV. But back to your original question, Ryan. Oh, you know, it's. I guess it would probably be. I'd have to say the Lakers just for the sentimental reasons with Kobe and 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 I. I like LeBron James. I think he's a great player, and I think they're. I think they're just all going to be happy to get out of that bubble. To tell you the truth, no, no doubt, no doubt. And I think LeBron <laughs> will probably be pretty happy if he's got another one with a third organization. Pretty remarkable what yeah. he's uh, what he's done to this point. Hey, Kent, we appreciate you. We appreciate you being here with us, and we wish you the best as we go. We'll certainly catch up with you again soon, okay? All right. Anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ken Haslam, athletic director at the University of Montana, joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. The Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. Morning, noon, night, breakfast, lunch, dinner. They got it all. Late happy hour, regular happy hour, rotating beers, bunch of televisions, all the sports, including, hello, high school sports if you want them. How was that burrito you had? Strong. The Matador. I can't think of a place you could go where we had four guys at our table. Mm-hmm. One guy had a, a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Delicious. I had a club sandwich. Mm-hmm. Primo. Some seared ahi tuna. Mm-hmm. And a burrito. You get the whole run. You get all of it. Yep. If you want to watch baseball all day, go in there. You can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner because they got all three. They also have two happy hours, an early and a late one. The early one runs from uh, 4 to 6 every single Monday through Thursday, and the late one from 9 to 11, uh, Tuesday through Friday. Half-price drinks, half-price cocktails, $3 beers, half-price appetizers. It's a great place. You want to watch NBA Finals Game 1? Hit up Paradise Falls. But better yet, the best place in Missoula, no question, to watch high school sports. They have the HD stream of every single high school sporting event by the MHSA. So if you need some Friday night lights, some Saturday afternoon high school football action, go to Paradise Falls. 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs, friendliest servers in town. Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio. Little update for you the uh, Oakland Athletics 5 3 winners over the Chicago White Sox game two of their AL wildcard series. They split. The first two now with the White Sox winning 4-1 yesterday. And so the uh, we'll go to a third and decisive game tomorrow between the A's and the Sox. Still 6-3 in the uh, Cardinals-Padres game. The Cardinals up 6-3 over the Padres. Did you make your basket? I was not paying I did. I also got to a you. brag because uh, 
Made my first ever shot on SWX tonight. Then the second one, Randy wouldn't let me have two in a row, so he blocked it, but it was surely going to be in. And then I was on SWX tonight on Monday, made another one. Congratulations to you on that. Uh, it's not as if this is uh, luck. I will have to say that my nephew, Ellis, who if he's watching, shout out to you, buddy. You are going to be a superstar basketball player because you, <laughs> because you practice more than any person put it, put that is work. alive. On Saturday, I'm not kidding. I woke up on Sunday morning and my right wrist was just killing me. And I'm like, why? I was like, oh, because I shot the mini basketball into the freaking hoop for 10 hours straight. I mean, the kid's <laughs> endurance is just crazy. That's pretty funny. Uh, St. Louis, by the way, as I mentioned, up 6-3 there in the bottom of the sixth. Cardinals, top of the sixth inning. No on, two out. Ended up getting the bases loaded and getting to a 3-2 count. Then Matt Carpenter cut and a miss on a 97 mile an hour heater so uh no damage done although it took a lot more work for the Padres to get out of that inning than it should have but uh they are now back in the bottom of the six and hmm, looks like a little shot into the gap extra bases lead off double here uh for the pod so there you go shout out Sean Rainey Coulter it's time for our prep extra segment it is brought to us by the Farmers State Bank Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. And Anthony Knockreiner, a friend up there, KGEZ in uh, Flathead, uh, 690 AM. He puts out his weekly Treasure State uh, media poll for high school football classifications as a top five poll. We vote in this poll. And in Class AA, there are five teams uh, symmetrically that have no losses on the season. Five 3-0 teams, and not surprisingly, those are the top five teams in the state. Sentinel occupies the top spot with 129 points. They got 25 out of 26 first place votes. We'll come back to that. Billings Senior is in second with 88. Billings West in third with 86, so very close between those two. Helena High, they're 3-0 with 74 points. Interestingly, they got one first place vote, even though they're the fourth, fourth place team in terms of total points collected. And then Kalispell Glacier, pops into the top five after they get off to a 3-0 and start. So there you go, your top five for the class AA right now. I had Bozeman at number five this week in mm. the poll instead of Glacier, only because I know Glacier's 3-0, and Bozeman's 2-1, and but Bozeman's played a little bit of a tougher schedule, and their one loss is to number two billing Senior. Yeah. Senior is definitely number two because I think that Senior has the best win. They've actually have, have a better win on their resume than Sentinel does. Sentinel has not really been tested yet. Sentinel's played... Um, a defeated Flathead team, yeah. a one-win Helena Capital team, and a defeated Butte team. So I, although the Spartans are unbelievably talented, they deserve to be number one just because of how many great players they have. In fact, their resume is not nearly as good as Senior West or Helena High thus far. Yeah, I thought the Butte win was a decent win for Sentinel because even though Butte was 0-2 going into that game, they had been close, low-scoring. Yeah, lost to Helena 14-9. So I thought there was some good... I thought, I thought it was, and so the fact that they blew them out, I think it was fifty-two to seven. Yeah, the final there, uh, I thought was a, a, a not a statement win, but it was a it was a significant win, and I think it it justifies their number one spot in here. And here's the thing about Central right now too is that they could be lighting people up even more. Yeah, like they're spreading it around. Yeah. They're playing a two quarterback system. Both those kids are really talented, so they're playing really well. Uh, Cameron Sermon is much more the runner. He scored long touchdowns every single Mm -hmm. game. Dayton Bay, much more the pocket passer. He's thrown multiple touchdowns in each game. But 
they're just basically trading off on whose turn it is to be the main playmaker on offense. Still to this point, we're talking three games into this thing. Jace Klusiewicz only has, I think, 13 offensive touches. TJ Roush, who's a two-star receiver, is going to the Grizzlies. He's had no more than three catches in a game. They hadn't even really given Charlie Kurgan the ball, and he goes and scores three touchdowns in the first time he gets the ball. Yeah. They just have so many weapons. But the, here's the thing. like, the, If they were just going to run the zone read with Camden Sermon and Jace Kluswich and they just wanted to feed those guys, they could be beating teams by even more than they already are. One thing that I think is interesting, it may not be that surprising, I guess, that there's five 3-0 teams, especially now that there's 16 teams playing double-A football. But that said... These these five teams, and if you throw Bozeman in there, six teams I think are definitively the six best teams in the, and are going to be that. It's not merely a result of, of schedule or something like that. So it is somewhat surprising that none of these teams have played each other, like the teams right. that are at the top through three weeks. And some of that is because, you know, we had a late start. We're, you know, only playing east versus east and west versus west. And that also means that, say, for instance, Billings Senior and Billings West, I mean, the, the the whole the whole shooting match in terms of the regular season is probably going to hinge on one game and it's when those two teams face each other you know in a crosstown in a crosstown matchup which will certainly be the game of the week when that one comes calling and then you know sentinel versus helena and and you know we'll see how glacier stacks up when it's all you know as, as we get rolling but without the cross divisional or cross conference matchups in the early part of the season you have you have a lot of teams that have you know better looking records than what they would normally have it also sets up to be a very intriguing state tournament no question and now everybody makes a playoff so it's going to be a little bit of an elongated version of that mm-hmm. quote unquote tournament west versus senior this week yeah Daily big Stadium. Game. So, big game. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see when Sentinel and Helena cross paths as well. I also think you can't sleep on Bozeman. I know they're not in this poll right now. They're just like the definitive sixth team. The one loss to Billing Senior. It was a convincing win by Senior, no question. Kenneth Iden did not play in that game. He's the best player for the Bozeman Hawks. But Bozeman, they are going through a quarterback transition. They Jake Diagostino now plays for the Bobcats. He's the kid that led him to the state championship a year ago. That always comes with a, a, little, a fair amount of growing pains, especially when you have a program like Bozeman. Yeah. Bozeman usually has guys that they win. They, they like to have guys win the job as sophomores or juniors. So they can have multi-year starters, and they've, they've done that multiple times in a row. Uh, once that gets locked in, but they have a couple other guys that are, you know, I mean, they have as many D1 guys on their team as anybody besides probably Sentinel and West. So I expect Bozeman to be right there uh, at the end. In terms of what Sentinel's got coming up next, they play Big Sky. So we got a little crosstown. Okay. So our Garden City Spotlight this week, where we feature all three AA coaches from around the uh, city of Missoula. That'd be an interesting one with Dane Oliver and Matt Johnson. Here's the thing about the Eagles, man. They they might be undermanned, but they're going to be tough. And they're going to, I mean, that's going to be an interesting game because you kind of got brawn versus speed, right? I mean, you got the tough guys versus, that's how Big Sky Sentinel oftentimes is. But it's, it'll be an intriguing matchup just because I think that Big Sky will be able to run the ball. Uh, in Class A, the top two teams in the state are clearly the top two teams in the state, but it's unclear which one should actually be the top team in the state. But it is Hamilton this week. They are 5-0. and They had a, a very solid win against a good Frenchtown team this last weekend. They had 11, 111 points total and 11 first-place votes. Miles City is number two. They are 3-0, and 108 points, but actually had more first-place votes of 13. One thing I'll say, Hamilton 5-0. and Billings, uh, Miles City only 3-0, and so you go, okay, well, there's more wins there. The first win, though, was a forfeiture, notably uh, for, I believe it was Butte Central that did not come in play. We know that there's a couple different rules. If there's a coronavirus or COVID closure, it's it's 
a tie or a non you know a non recorded game but if a team chooses not to play a game that is scheduled but that was available to play that becomes a forfeiture and that is what happened in the first week and it had nothing to do with covid in that first week it was just about a lack of what the the team the coaches administration felt at butte central was a a, a lack of preparation that they had not had sufficient time to get ready to play uh, hamilton so did not play in that game so anyway hamilton is five and zero, oh, but they've only actually played four games so a little closer than it looks but Hamilton Miles City won two. Billing Central is three and zero. They got seventy two points after that big win over Laurel. Dillon at four and one. Their one loss to Hamilton. They are fourth, and then Columbia Falls and Laurel are both tied for that fifth spot. Class A is so interesting because the western part of the state decided to play their conference games first. The eastern part of the state decided to not play non conference games, and so now their tr- schedule looks way more traditional. Mm-hmm. So you have Miles City. Who's going to play Haver this week? So Haver was a semifinalist last year, and they had right. a D1 guy, and they're 0-3. Well, he's not going to get tested, heavily tested, until they play Billing Central and Laurel to yeah. wrap up the regular season. Way more traditional. Hamilton's already beat Dillon Has and Frenchtown. Yeah. They win. They're, they're won the Southwestern A. Now they just got to go fortify their playoff resume playing the teams from the north. So a little bit of a dichotomy between the two Class A uh, sides of the state. Quickly, Class B, Manhattan's number one, then Fairfield, Glasgow, Florence is number four, followed by Townsend. And in Class C, eight-man Fort Benton, then Flint Creek, they're one, two. And in six-man, it's Big Sandy, and then Shields Valley uh, in the Class C, six-man ranks for one, two there. So uh, there's a look. We're about midway point, man, of the high school regular season here, and, uh, and it's going quick. One thing we got to give a shout-out to is Thompson Falls. Thompson Falls was a Class B power. That town has shrank quite a bit because of a lot of socioeconomic factors. Mm-hmm. I think Thompson Falls is only about 1,400 people now. They moved down to Class C, 8-man. They're straight rolling. They are ripping people. Yeah, They're scoring 50-plus every week. Uh, Kyle Hansen had a good story from uh, MontanaSports.com. Uh, he went to the Thompson Falls game and did a little feature on the town. I thought it was really compelling and interesting. But the, the Blue Hawks were so good at Class B. Haven't been. They've been sort of irrelevant since moving down, but now they're back five and zero, number three in the state. So that's cool for a, a small town like Thompson Falls. So prep extra segments brought to us by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since nineteen oh seven. We'll take a quick break and we'll wrap up getting you set for NBA Finals game number one right after this. Hey, we live in this great state so we can enjoy it. If you're a business owner, you know how hard you work, sometimes at the expense of your own free time, and that is where Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services comes in. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services is a virtual bookkeeper that helps small businesses organize, maintain, and grow their business, which helps keep your business running smoothly and gives you more time to do what you love. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services offers monthly bookkeeping and will even clean up previous month's books. Visit blackbookkeepingllc.com, blackbookkeepingllc.com to schedule a free consultation today. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. And with not a moment to spare, it is Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are well. 
If you missed anything in the show, check it out in the podcast, the Two Tell Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. It's there thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Also, Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is out. Go get that as well. Quick update for you. The Padres have scored a run in the bottom of the sixth. Two out, two on. Tatis at the plate. 6-4 their deficit as they uh, trying to come back against the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, bottom six down, two, two on. We'll see how that goes. But for us here, in a half an hour, we will send you to the bubble for game one of the NBA Finals. Can't wait for this game. Lakers heat, 6-30. Broadcast begins, 7 o'clock, opening tip. You I know you got the Lakers, Coulter. I got the heat. And the under in game one. I love it. We'll see how it happens. See you tomorrow. ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.